What's up, everybody? Thank you for listening to Cinephiles Digest. My name is Matt, and this is episode 110. And on this show, we are going to be discussing two feature films. We're going to be talking about the latest from Irish filmmaker Martin McDonough, The Banshees of Inishirin, as well as the latest from James Gray, Armageddon Time. Should be a fun one. We'll get into the reviews later, but first let me introduce my forever co-host, Travis, welcome to the show. Hello, Matthew. And I do have an icebreaker question for you to kick things off. Oh. I know you like when I come prepared. Now, Sorry. you're not much of a Pokemon guy, right? At least not new Pokemon. Um, I used to be big into Pokemon when it was age appropriate. <laughs> uh, well, my question for you, I'm assuming you don't know... so. The new Pokemon game just came out yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you don't know who the starter Pokemon are. Am I correct in assuming that? Uh, unless it's one of the like original 150. No. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so my question for you, I'm going to give you the names of the three starter Pokemon, and you're going to choose based on name alone. I'm not giving you any other information. Sound good? Okay. All right. I, what, am I choo- what am I choosing for, just for fun? Your starter Pokemon. Or- as it, you okay. know, like like you're, you know, starting your adventure and, you know, the guy brings you the tree. You know, you play Pokemon. It's like the Charmander, yep. Squirtle Ball oh, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I played a lot of the old Game Boy games. They were my shit. All right. So, you, you, know, the, you know the gist. So. Oh, yeah. Let me give you the names and then you're going to choose just based on vibes alone. All right. So, would you choose Sprigatito, Fuecoco, or Quaxley? Hmm. I can repeat if need be. Let's go with Fue Coco. That's the most fun one to say. (laughs) It is the most fun one to say. Okay. Do you have a guess as to um, the type type of Pokemon that is? Hmm. Some sort of chocolate Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean by type? Yes. (laughs) Is there new types these days, though? Have we expanded... There are Beyond, new types, uh, but it's the same. The starter Pokemon are always fire, grass, or water. Coco. I'm going to go with fire. That is correct. Nailed oh, yeah. it. Fue Coco is a fire alleg- like crocodile type dude. Mm. It's pretty cool. Is he new? Like new, new? Oh, yeah. They're all, the starter Pokemon are always brand new Pokemon. Oh, okay. I picked uh, Quaxley. For my game. I was going to guess that's what you would have picked. (laughs) (laughs) He is a duck with a pompadour, and he rules. Yep, sounds about right. (laughs) And uh, Haley also bought the new game, and she picked uh, Sprigatito, which is a grass cat. So, of course, Uh, she picked the cat. Dang. Anyway, things are going uh, great in the Pokemon world. We are thriving out here. Exciting stuff. How many hours are we in? I've put in about four or five hours so far. Yeah, probably about four or five hours. I've got. uh, I'm all. I'm all by myself. Haley's in Florida for two weeks, so I've uh, now living the bachelor life. Do you go in these games raw dog, or do you like play with a guide or anything like that? Um, I mean, I don't play with a guide. I mean, they're pretty easy. I do. Like, when I'm approaching, like, the end of the game, kind of look up, like, who the strong, 
like the strongest Pokemon are, so I don't like waste my time leveling up some like piece of shit, you know, for the end game mm-hmm. content. But no, I mean, I I basically just kind of like wander around, try to catch as many Pokemon as I can. I remember kind of back in the day, if I didn't have a guide for certain caves, that was just a deal breaker, and I stopped playing at that point of the game. <laughs> it, yes, it was a lot more obtuse back in those days. Like, if you didn't have oh the flash God. HM to light up a cave, it was just yep. a fucking nightmare. I Although just get so mad playing those. <laughs> I did just kind of brute force my way through one of those caves back in the day by just, like moving around in the dark i'd hit a wall oh, yeah. and you it's know possible. And it was a nightmare though. the things we used to do before the internet <laughs> dude we had all the time in the world back then. that's true <laughs> yeah pretty sweet but yeah i'm all i'm all by myself Haley left me alone for two weeks so so is, is that a switch game now it is, is. That how they do it yes yeah, so last two have been on switch nice has uh, Nintendo just abandoned the handheld thing because Switch is now basically a handheld device? Correct. Yes. So it's just all all in one now. Yes. So, you know, they have uh, stopped like making that. Game Boys. I like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it serves as a, it's good for the a consumer. Game Boy type thing. Yeah. The only thing is that the uh, firepower in that Switch is uh, pretty lackluster. Like the, the new Pokemon game runs like absolute dog garbage on uh, <laughs> on switch like pokemon just like the frame rate is like two per second pokemon will just like cut in and out of the environment and you'll just see like all sorts of oh, no. glitches and stuff so it's not great but it's still pretty fun When's, uh has there only been one edition of the switch is 2.0 coming or anything like that um well they put out an oled version so it's got like mm. a faster chip and an OLED screen, but that's about it. It's not like a, I wouldn't even call it a half generation. It's like just a better screen with like a little bit of a faster chip. It's not a, I see. They have not announced a new one yet, though they probably will within the next, I would guess, year or two. Yeah. So, pretty cool. What about you? What's been going on? Uh, not too much lately. I, uh, well, I guess we haven't recorded a main episode in a while. Mm-hmm. It's been a couple but, weeks. Um, I'll stick with the new stuff. Last night, did did some family time. Uh, Chelsea's mom and nephew came over for a sleepover, mainly for the nephew. Mm. Fun little time with him. We went bowling, went to dinner, came home, had some banana splits, and then went to bed. Hell yeah. What'd you bowl? Uh Bold my best game ever, pretty sure. Bold a 163. Nice. Also bold a turkey within that game. Ooh. I don't think I've ever done that before. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was a great night for me. <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, I th- Honestly, I think I talked about my best bowling game on a previous episode a few years back. But, I think um, you did, yeah. Here's an update for everyone. <laughs> I went bowling again, and this is my new high game. I also went bowling uh, within the last week or two, and uh, I bowled one of my worst games uh, that I can remember. I, I bowled like a 72 or something like that. Like, not abysmal, but yeah. not great. A lot yeah. of gutter balls. A lot of, lot of gutter balls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good for like, you know, seven to nine pins usually, but uh, don't usually get many strikes. But last night, I was getting the strikes 
and the spares. It was nice. I was like, I watched some of these people just like fucking fire those balls down the lane. And I was like trying to do it. And I don't know if I'm just like weak or what, but I just like can't get the velocity on that thing. Like those other guys, I would have to like do one of those like late night cheap deal things and just go to town by myself. But I'm not trying to learn a new (laughs) role. Not trying to work on technique while you're (laughs) just trying to stay afloat. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, Yeah, that's fair. I I have realized though, it is all about the leg kick. If you don't get that leg kick right at the very end, you're 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 screwed. All about the leg kick, huh? See, I don't even yeah. really bother. I don't really know. Up to this point, I've been like, I don't really know what the leg kick adds. Like people just kind of look goofy. But I thought the same thing. But man, when the leg kick feels right, the ball is going straight. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Well. Maybe I'll I'll work on my leg technique. And you gotta you gotta focus on the dots. You can't look down the the lane. Oh yeah, that's it's like that's my it's like keep your eye on the ball, you know. Right, except the opposite. You keep your eye on the fucking yes. dot on the lane instead of the pins. <laughs> Very cool. So that was yep. that was yesterday. Yep. What else? That was about it. I mean, just been uh, you know. Doing the the life thing, working. <laughs> I went to Chicago for Halloween. That was oh yeah, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. My costume crushed. I was Travis Barker. Check the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good luck finding me. <laughs> <laughs> Check the Instagram. Not giving you the app, but uh, <laughs> figured out. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Chicago's cool. Did you guys get a chance to like explore much or? Uh, honestly, we partied quite a bit. Yeah, with our time there, but um, I don't really regret that. Um, we did visit the Bean, and we did go on one of those like uh, water boat ex- architecture tour things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really cool. It was like a little foggy, and added a little to the uh, experience. Mm. But yeah, be- beyond that, just. Uh, Drank some good beer, ate some good food, spent time with cool people. Very nice. It wasn't one of those like touristy trips. We did enough of that in Italy, so we were just like, let's just go and have fun with our friends and whatever we can fit in outside of that cool, you know, whatever we can't, we'll come back next time for. Yeah, that's what I like to do when I travel to a new city, just kind of like find a cool neighborhood and just kind of wander around and stay away from the, the super touristy stuff. I mean, some of that stuff is you feel like you have to do it or some of it is actually worth it, but it can be a little taxing. Yeah. Mostly I'm speaking in reference, uh, to the bean. I, I have Mm. zero interest in seeing it is actually pretty cool, (laughs) but just like, I'm I'm not big on like, the types of tourist attractions where it's just like a photo op, you know, where yeah. it's like, oh, look at this thing. I'm at the Bean. I'm at the Empire, not the Empire State Building, the Statue of Liberty, you know, like that kind of stuff. I just not. I like tourist attractions that are like either the other end, super like gimmicky, and like like Leavenworth is a good example. That's like a mm-hmm. it, it has a shtick, you know what I mean? Um, Fremont Troll, yeah, your name. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm I've seen it, but would I go back or recommend it to people? Not, <laughs> not really. Yeah, I That's mean, another if you're in the area, where... it's it's one thing you could just, you know, pop by real quick. But oh, for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I would go to Fremont specifically to see the troll if you've never been to seattle i would never be like oh my god dude, you gotta <laughs> go see the troll <laughs> it, it's, it's a Change cool quirky life. thing but yeah no yeah. no the thing that's cool about the bean and i didn't even really realize this like why it was cool but it's like all one piece and it's pretty big so you didn't realize that from the millions of pictures on the internet of it? I, I didn't no, I'd never put any <laughs> thought into the bean <laughs> until I was right in front of it. <laughs> but fair. it is it's bigger than you would think and it is all one piece. And then just some of the like I don't know, that some of the um what would you call it? Like a reflection? Like some of the reflections you can get from standing under it or, you know, around it. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah. Rider's going to a fun house. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, anything else before we move on to our reviews? Nah. Fuck yeah. All right. Well, let's do this thing. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, we've got two reviews for you this week. We're going to start things off with the Banshees of Inishirin. I kind of stopped calling it the Banshees of Ed Sheeran because Haley pointed out that... Uh, People started making that joke like as soon as the title came out, and I'm not actually funny. So oh, I thought that was a Matt original. No, I thought it was too. And then <laughs> Haley showed me like a a review on Letterbox that somebody posted like before the movie had even come out. You know, saying Damn. it was it. Although it was it was the bed sheets of Ed Sheeran, not the banshees of Ed Sheeran. But you know, the internet has ruined everyone's humor game. If you ain't first, you're last. Yeah, you know. Um, anyway, The Banshees of Inishirin. So, written and directed by Martin McDonough, who you would know as the director of uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, um, In Bruges, and my personal favorite, Seven Psychopaths. Plot synopsis Two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. Film stars Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Carrie Condon, and Barry Keegan. Travis, what? Hey, actually, I heard the official pronunciation. Pronunciation? Yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. We got it. It's Keoghan. Keoghan. Okay. That makes perfect sense, but... I heard a clip on a podcast where... They, someone in an interview asked him how to say his name. So it's literally from Barry's mouth. The horse's mouth. mouth. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, goodbye, Barry Keegan. Hello, Barry Keoghan. Nice to meet you. All right. Banshees of Inishirin. Travis, what'd you think of this one? I uh, liked it quite a bit. Um, I think... One of the main highlights of the movie is probably the performances, especially from the two leads. Uh, I thought they were both really good. Um, I think my favorite aspect of the movie was just the ideas at play. Um, I'm obsessed with time, and um, this movie is a bit as well. Um, and just with like how you spend your time or who you spend it with, and it's kind of dealing with like your legacy and what you'll be like remembered for. 
um, and also, I mean, yeah, it can get it gets pretty deep with that um, with the ideas, but I feel like it is somewhat of a small and subdued movie still. Um, but yeah, I, I really like just the the idea of like what's more important, like uh, with how you spend your time. Like, is it building some sort of like you know something that you can be uh, remembered for, whether it be like music or a craft or whatever, or is what's more important in life is like the people you spend your time with and like the experiences you have with them. Um, I know that's kind of what I took away from the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the only thing that was really holding it back from being like an absolute banger, uh, would be, it is a little small and subdued at times. And, um, I don't know. It didn't really like pack like a, a punch that I wanted it to like, maybe it was just missing like one or two key scenes that really hammered at home. Um, but maybe I would like it a bit more on rewatch. I don't think it'll really go down for me. Um, yeah. So that's my basic thoughts on it. Interesting. Okay. Um, I think I'm in a similar ballpark. Um, I will, say this up front of Martin McDonough's four feature films. I would say this one is probably my least favorite of the four. Um, I really like the ideas that it's working with, but I did find it a little lacking in impact. Like talking about the movie, I think is more interesting and insightful than the movie itself if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I would agree. There were long stretches where I was kind of bored and like, I get what the movie's going for. And like you said, like time and the passage of time and how you spend it, who you spend it with, all that stuff is, is a factor. And obviously both of these men are deeply convicted, you know, have deep convictions and they're both men of principle, which I'm sure you uh, resonated with. You being a man of principle yourself. But um, I just, I don't know. Like, it's it's not, it's the least funny of his four films. There are moments that I thought were pretty funny. And I did laugh pretty much every time Colin Farrell's character, he, uh, he, he goes, huh? Huh? Like, in response all the time to people asking him questions or, like, just his delivery was fucking cracking me up every time he did it. But I don't know. Like, I... I'm not going to say I have an issue with it, but I did find like the lengths that Brendan Gleeson's character uh, column is like willing to go to. I don't know. It just escalated so quickly. And like, I understand that he's like trying to put his foot down and he's uh Podrick is like not getting it, but I just like, I don't know the whole escalation and execution of like the core conflict was a little much for me like I don't I don't know how you felt about like the progression of the the conflict between the two friends but it was just a little yeah, much for me I mean yeah I would agree I think the the finger thing I mean obviously it's like a, a movie thing and is I'm assuming a metaphor for something but um I yeah I thought that was a little bit too much as well it was just like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I feel like the movie didn't really earn it. Like, on the one hand, I kind of like 
that there is seemingly this like deep and long like history between these two people that we don't really get any insight into. Like we're just coming in at the moment that Colm decides that he's just done with Podrick mm-hmm. and you know he's like that's the start of the film in essence. So I kind of like that artistic choice, but it also makes it feel like a bit of a stretch when the stakes get raised and like the the men's each of their commitments to their own perspective on the matter like well and w- whether it works or not i think yeah, that's the intention is like it's supposed to be a little like confusing to you as like a viewer like why is this guy like want to be done with his friend right because he doesn't really give a great reason i mean it's <laughs> you're dull you're dull, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like how it just happens. Like, I, I don't know. Cause if I had a friend like that, I feel like that friendship would have like fizzled out earlier than these guys' friendship. Right. Cause I mean, but I, I guess maybe the factors of the town and everything play into that. Cause it's a small town. Everyone knows each other. So Brennan Gleason's character can't really, like um escape that so he feels kind of stuck in in a rut with his friendship and his life yeah from his perspective though i just don't really understand like i mean uh podrick's character has the whole moment where i mean i don't want to i don't want to give spoilers but i mean he essentially has an opportunity and a reason to leave in and basically chooses not to the movie doesn't really provide the same reason for calm. Like why, if he's so dissatisfied with his life and his accomplishments, like why he chooses to stay like, rather than just like cut this person out of his life, like why not just leave? You know what I mean? Like, what does he think he's going to accomplish? I don't know. Like the whole talking about legacy and like using Mozart as the point of comparison was a little on the nose for me. It's like, I don't know, like no one's Mozart other than Mozart. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) what do you think is going to happen? Like, I understand that the main point of the movie is like basically trying to find me, trying to find meaning and kind of failing at it, you know, like the existential aspect of what he's grippling with. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Like, I like talking about all this stuff. I just didn't find it that interesting on screen. I kind of wish there was more, like, meat on the bone or maybe yeah. the meat was a little tastier or something. Like, I, not to say that I'm, I feel like I'm coming across maybe more negatively than I than I hoped, wish to. Like, I, I did like the movie quite a bit. I just kind of found it a little underwhelming, I think maybe. We're in the, I think we're in the same boat as far as how we feel about it. Because, yeah, I do think the ideas and talking about the movie is like more exciting than watching the actual movie itself. And you can probably get more out of talking about the movie than you can watching the movie. (laughs) Right. And you know, like to the movie's credit, like it's interesting to talk about, but at the same time, it's like how much credit is due to the movie and how much is just like, these are rich themes that anyone can relate to. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, I do, I do like the idea of like these two friends who have kind of different 
outlooks on life because you know Colin Farrell's character is more of like a simpleton and like does value the people in his life and isn't looking to like necessarily leave like something impactful he's just you know enjoying life for what it is and then Brendan Gleeson's character he wants something more but is kind of struggling at that and then is like you know either depressed or angered by this and I don't know he basically wants to change and then goes about it in like a drastic manner yeah um I I did want to point out one scene though I probably one of my favorite scenes was the scene when they confront each other at the bar and Colin Farrell's sister is there as well she comes in kind of late I won't say anything more than that because it is that would spoil the scene but I really liked his like little bit um, yeah Colin Farrell's the little like kind of monologue that he gives yeah yeah I like that moment as well I think for me, I was just hoping it was going to be, like, funnier. Like, even Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri is, like, you know, there's some heavy themes that it's tackling, but it's pretty funny. And Seven mm-hmm. Psychopaths, I Will Die on the Hill, That I think that movie is fucking hilarious. I And, and Bruges is, is really funny, too. Like, I think it was well, lacking in humor for me, which maybe would have helped with some of the absurdity of the conceit itself, if it was maybe a bit, I don't know. I was going to say lighter, but then that would maybe undercut some of the, like the themes of you know, existential dread yeah. and feeling like you've wasted your life. But I think you can do both. You know what I mean? Like I wish there was a little bit more lightness. Really. We mostly get that from, Colin Farrell's character and a little mm-hmm. bit from from Barry Keoghan's character but his is also pretty tragic in several yeah. ways as well so it's like you have that interplay and I don't know I think this is one of those movies where it's like the individual pieces are more interesting than the sum of the parts you know what I mean mm-hmm. uh, yeah it, it's it's probably near the bottom of uh, his filmography for me. I don't, if I were to rank them real quick, it'd probably be three billboards in Bruges, Banshees, then seven psychopaths. Although I do need to rewatch in Bruges and seven psychopaths. It's been a while. Mm -hmm. We got to, I might even watch seven psychopaths later tonight. Huge. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I do like him as a director though. And I think he is a good writer. Uh, oh, another thing I'll point about this movie specifically is I did think it looked pretty good. Um, like some of the nature shots and the framing. Um, I don't, I didn't really write down or remember any specifics, but I did think it looked pretty good overall. Yeah, I wasn't Ooh, like actually there was there was that one. I may have been like a drone shot, but the shot with the like huge dark cloud over the island or like the coast or whatever. That looked really cool. Made me feel like I was on an airplane. (laughs) I don't even remember (laughs) the shot that you're talking about. It was beautiful. (laughs) I mean, it did. beautiful. (laughs) It does look good, but it's not a movie that I would point to as like being particularly visually striking. No, I guess more so for him, it looked good. Like, um, I mean, Three Billboards looks good as well, but I don't really remember in Bruges or Seven Psychopaths like you know, impressing me on a visual level. Yeah, not that's that it not really bad, his... but didn't right. like 
not he's not like some scrub, but that's not really his. Uh, he's definitely much more of a a writer's director. He's never going to do a Blade Runner sequel. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I wish he was a little bit more um, active. I mean, he's only has four features under his belt. He's a writer, dude. He's he's active. You just don't see. It. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know he's a playwright. I don't know if that's still like primarily what he does with his time, but um, I don't know. I like the guy. Yeah, I wish I'm he made sure. more movies. But uh, anyway, yeah, three billboards was five years ago now. Damn. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. It's been a while. I yeah, don't have he's too on much. Like a four or five year uh, in between ab- movies. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. What else yeah, you I don't got? Have much else. All right. Uh, in, in regards to this one, you want to drop stars? Let's drop them. I am giving this film a four out of five. I'm giving it a four as well. Yeah, I think we landed pretty much in exactly the same spot on this one. I did see Haley only gave it three stars. She wasn't as into it. Uh, she was asleep for about 15, 20 minutes of it. Nice. She really was bored by it. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, uh, I get it, but it is oh, yeah, pretty no, slow. It, it was a little boring at times. Yeah, it was also, like, really cold. So uh, we actually saw it at the Pickford Film Center. So that's Bellingham's, like, independent uh, cinema. And mm-hmm. uh, I hadn't been in, like, 10 years. Um, and it's really cool. I'm... I'm definitely planning on going there more frequently. It's it's affordable. Um, they've got good popcorn, good programming, but it Better was quite cold. Better experience than the uh, multiplex? I mean, the pr- programming-wise, definitely. Uh, especially now that there's a fucking Marvel movie out. It's uh, slim pickings at the mm. Regal because so yeah. many of the screens are dedicated to fucking whack, whack on to forever <laughs> um so the, but they only have three screens at the pickford or excuse me not even three they have two screens so it's like typically they have one movie playing on one screen all day and then they have two movies that like swap showings on the other one mm-hmm. so not a ton of options but they that like that's where tar was playing which i didn't get a chance to see that's where um triangle of sadness was playing like you know the stuff that you're not gonna see in the multiplex necessarily yeah so pretty cool though yeah she didn't love it all right bummer let's move on to our next film uh we're gonna be talking about armageddon time so this is james gray's follow-up to the sad dad epic Ad Astra. Um, Plot synopsis, a deeply personal coming of age story about the strength of family and the generational pursuit of the American dream. Film stars Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong, Banks Rapita, and Anthony Hopkins. Banks Rapita sounds like a fucking like UK like trap rapper or something. (laughs) (laughs) Banks Rapita. Um, okay. Is is that the lead, the kid? Yes, that is Paul. Um, is this his like first major film? I didn't really look into it. 
Um, I but believe he's so. A new face to me. Um, I thought he was actually pretty excellent in this movie. Um, oh, he was in Uncle Frank. Oh, he was in the, the Black Phone. Devil all the time. The Devil all the time. Remember Tom's favorite movie? Oh, Barf. Yeah, his number two, two star movie that made his top ten list. <laughs> Forgot about that. Okay, yeah, I thought he seemed familiar. He's he's the little brother in uh, the Black Phone. I'm pretty sure. Mm, I have not seen that yet. Yeah, you're not missing much. It's not bad. Yeah. But. Anyway, so Armageddon time. So um, I'll go ahead and go first on this one, uh, if you don't mind. Okay. So I'm a big. Uh, Big James Gray fan, probably the biggest on the podcast. Uh, Ad Astra was in my top 100 of all time. It was my number one film the year that it came out. Um, I like the work that he's done with Joaquin Phoenix. And, you know, they're th- small stories typically, but I like what he does. So, you know, I was excited for, for Armageddon Time. Um, and it's a very personal film like he's definitely i don't think he's gone so far as calling it like autobiographical but it's definitely based on his experience growing up in the late 70s and 80s in new york um i thought it was quite moving and interesting and well acted and well written and i love the themes of you know assimilation for you know because there's kind of several cultures that are at play and his family is is jewish and they you know have changed their last names to basically avoid the anti-semitism that was kind of rampant um and then it also deals with like class struggle and 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 racial conflict um but i think what worked for me is like We've seen a lot of movies, especially in the last few years, about like race and class conflict, but this one felt more personal, and I also like that it's centered around children, right? Like this notion of like the failings of humanity and how it impacts our children, and you know, we can do all we want to try and show them the right way, but it's difficult because you have pressure on all sides, and it's an interesting exploration of, of privilege. And um, I was I was never bored. I think it has a satisfactory payoff. Um, it's emotional, um, very well acted. I. Uh, Basically, I have nothing but nice things to say about it. I, I really like this one. So, Matt, assimilation is your gentrification? You love assimilation. I love gentrification. <laughs> well, I mean, assimilation in the sense that his fa- the main character's family is like torn between these two worlds and have to assimilate into the culture. But yeah, love assimilation. I think it was blind spotting. I think I said, I love the gentrification. You're like, Oh yeah. Love. (laughs) (laughs) So just had to throw it back at me a little. Yeah. Um, All right. So I also like this movie. Definitely not as much as you. I will probably be more on the negative side though, even though I'm going to give it a positive score. Uh, I felt like it was a little generic, especially for it being like such a personal story. And sure, you could argue that like, you know, 
a lot of people kind of go through the same beats of life or childhood. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It just felt kind of like a generic movie, uh, like, you know, kind of like a coming of age or like just like a look back on your childhood. Uh, I thought the performances were really good. Like, uh, I really like Jeremy Strong as the dad. He had some oh, good man. funny moments and some good just like conversations like with his son at times although nothing close to like something in call me by your name that's what i was really looking for was a scene like that uh, jeremy strong doesn't have the chops my guy. <laughs> i see he's probably the weak link for me as far as performances go really he i just, thought he was he's always acting too fucking hard in everything i see him in like other than succession I've seen a few episodes of Succession. I, I want to go back to it. I think he's great in that show, but everything else I've seen him in, he's just like, I don't know. He comes across like he's trying way too hard to act. That's my impression of him anyway. And I felt it pretty big in, th in this movie. Like, it didn't feel authentic to me. It felt like somebody trying to be like a method actor and not being a good enough actor to pull it off. He was trying to be James Gray's dad and didn't pull it off is what you're saying right <laughs> <laughs> i did like the, the moments of him like waking the kid up with the pots and pans and like singing through the halls and stuff i thought that was pretty funny mm -hmm. um yeah i just i don't know i think it was like missing a scene or two kind of like banshees of in in a sharon um to really like set it apart or really wow me um and you didn't well you touched on it a bit but i thought the like racial stuff was a little clunky like i just don't know if it fully landed what he was going for with that relationship um and also i mean this is separate from that thought but um it did this movie did give me wanderlust vibes a little bit just with the two kids running around you know causing a little bit of trouble but not too much <laughs> wanderlust is that the that's, that's um, one of your favorite movies <laughs> yeah it's the one uh fucking todd uh it's todd haynes yes okay i did love that movie didn't i you didn't haven't really thought about time. it since but <laughs> <laughs> are you sure it's called wanderlust i thought that's what it was called i think or it's wonderstruck? called wonder that's it wonderstruck that's why i was like I think I know what you're talking about, but Wanderlust is that comedy with Paul Rudd, right? Yeah, it's the one where he's looking and he looks in the mirror, um, and he's like, <laughs> "Fixing to fuck, <laughs> you're fixing to fuck," or something like that. I don't know. That movie is That's... not very good, but <laughs> but that scene is pretty good. <laughs> That's yeah, that scene is fucking hilarious. But yes, that is what that's Wanderlust, the David Wayne shitty okay. comedy. Well. With, uh, yeah. Jennifer Anderson. One Wonderstruck. Yes. I agree. I definitely got Wonderstruck vibes. And um I mean the setting, you know, they're both set in New York City, two youngsters kind of uh mm -hmm. you know, unsupervised kind of running around. Man, that movie is so good. Uh so yeah, I uh, I thought it was good, but nothing really like special. Sure. I mean, I can see that. I understand. Like, it's de James Gray is not one who's typically going to take big swings. Like, that's not really his lane. Like, he typically sticks to, like, kind of smaller 
character driven period pieces but there's like a specificity to his work that i really admire that just kind of makes his movies feel very lived in and authentic and as far as like uh, the racial conflict being a bit clunky like i can see why people have been saying that but i really thought it was effective at showing like Paul's innate want to be a friend to Johnny and feeling like he's being pulled in several different directions by the adults in his life and the other kids. And I think a big factor and part of what makes this movie stand apart for me is like how it frames like his transition from public school to private school and those two worlds and how both of them like impact his views on race in negative ways, like shaping him. Like this is how like, you know, bigots are created or even just like indifference to racism, like the way his family reacts to him, getting caught smoking and the um, like the difference in treatment as far as in the classroom, you know, Johnny getting the brunt of the teachers, you know, scorn, even though Paul is like equally complicit, like exploring that relationship. And then the transition to private school where it's like, all white and you literally have a fucking Fred and Marianne Trump appearance, like talking to these kids about how they're the future and Huge. they're going to make a ton of money. <laughs> and like, it just, it, it, it felt very political while still being broad enough to like be more so about just kind of the failings of, of people and what we instill upon our children. You know what I yeah. mean? I, yeah, I don't. I didn't necessarily like, have a problem with it, or thought it was like too preachy or like political or overbearing. I just thought it was like a little too like obvious, or just like I don't know. It wasn't really like presenting any like new ideas. Not saying it had to, but I, I don't know. And like the the his friend, he he was somewhat of a problem child, and like adding the racial element does like complicate it a bit, but like. He he was like pretty bad in school, and so like you know he should be punished accordingly, <laughs> no matter his color. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, he we do see that he is very clearly singled out unfairly by the staff and the teacher. Yeah, you could argue that the main kid has more privilege than the black kid. I. I I don't know his character or actor's name. I apologize. Johnny is the character's name. I don't know the actor's name. All right. Johnny boy from here on out. <laughs> I mean, what I, it's interesting because clearly like the main character, Paul is coming from a place of privilege from a class perspective, but at the same time, also dealing with being, a minority in the sense that he is a Jewish family and they've literally changed their last name to fit in and try to avoid some of the anti-Semitism that's rampant. Like it's a unique perspective. And I, 
I've seen some people really critical of this movie trying to imply that like it's trying to say that like anti-Semitism and anti-blackness are like equal in their badness and that the movie is like trying to make the case that they're both equally bad like or that both the of the characters level. right and i don't yeah. think that's the case at all like i i think it's a unique perspective in showing that while he does have struggles with his background that he has to go through he is ultimately in a position of privilege and power and how he like chooses to use it is you know heartbreaking and i i really one of my favorite scenes in the movie is um i'm not going to be specific because i don't want to spoil anything but paul is in a position where he has an opportunity to do the right thing and doesn't do anything and his grandfather who's played by anthony hopkins who i think is awesome in this movie um basically it's one of his last scenes in the movie where you know he has a conversation shop no, they're at. It's not at a shop. He's basically like Anthony Hopkins' character is like, "How do you think you did?" You know, and he kind of basically has like a little monologue where he's like, "You know, it's not good enough. You have to use your position to help people and call that out. Like, you can't be a bystander in other people's suffering." Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's in the park. I think it's before they launch the rocket, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. That was one of the, like the pivotal scenes of the movie. Um, I mean, I know you're not the most emotional guy, but did any of the uh, like emotional <laughs> no. uh, character work work no. on you or no? <laughs> Big wet noodle. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fair. Not even not even a blip. <laughs> it worked for me. I thought it was pretty impactful, and um, I don't know. Anthony this Hopkins is... was good in this movie, but he's good in pretty much every movie he's in so oh yeah i mean he's a legend but yeah no i don't um, like that james gray refers to him as tony hopkins though <laughs> no well they're on that they're on that level bud <laughs> it's sir anthony <laughs> to everyone <laughs> um that's about all i had Tony Hopkins just sounds less elegant. It sounds like a. It sounds closer to Tony Hawk than Anthony Hopkins, and I don't like it. <laughs> so it's a little too casual. It doesn't really yeah, represent fair. the man. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's weird. You can't really be like knighted and like casual and cool. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's one or the other. <laughs> Unless your name's Elton John. <laughs> right. <laughs> Doesn't Anthony Hopkins live like in England or Scotland or somewhere and like some super remote? Because I remember when he won his Oscar, he like fucking he was, Skyped in from some like field. And it was like super early in the morning, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that that tracks. I don't know the specifics, but I'm pretty sure you're right. Mm. Homeboy's been working. He's been... Uh... He's been all over. I'm looking at his filmography, and he was in Thor Ragnarok, Transformers Last Night, The Two Popes, The Father, yeah, um, dude. Armageddon Time, load, The Sun. that trust up yeah. <laughs> before he goes. Now, he's in a movie called 
the son, is there any relation to the father? Uh, yeah, I think that director, well, it was a, a playwright, I believe, and is now a director. I think they're doing some sort of trilogy, but it's like a, it's like a disconnected trilogy, like the Cornetto trilogy kind of uh, thing. Interesting. Is the third one going to be called The Holy Spirit? I think so. <laughs> to oh, <be> barf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you see The Father? No, I still haven't seen it. Dude, why? That's like an instant five for you, I feel like. You're probably right. You haven't seen it. (laughs) It was a a victim of Cram Jam. I just, I didn't get to it and I never will. (laughs) No, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I feel like that is like way more up your alley than, well, yeah. Most of the other shit I watch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't be more up your alley, is what I'm saying. Do you know if it's streaming anywhere? Uh, it was streaming on, I want to say, like, Showtime or Stars a while ago, but probably not anymore. Hmm. I know hmm. that doesn't help you. but <laughs> Yeah, I'll Google it later. All right. Armageddon time. Anything else? No. All right. What are you going to give this one out of five stars? I am giving it a 3.5. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's four and a half for me. Pretty good. Wow. Not ad, not ad Astra good, but pretty good. Is this a uh, top 10 contender? I mean, that's not hard this year, but yeah. As of today? As of today, yes. It's like five or six Fringe. or something like that. No, oh, okay. it's like middle of the oh. pack. I've only given it's a got a fighting of, chance. <laughs> unless there's some five bangers that come out. I've only given a couple five stars rate, r- ratings this year. So, Yeah. I think this is the year I've given the least amount of five stars to. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I typically, I'm much more, um, I give out five stars like candy on Halloween during Cram Jam. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. Gotta make the list. (laughs) 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 Uh, the father is streaming on stars currently for anyone who cares, which is nobody who has, who has stars. (laughs) Am I right? Um, cool. All right. Well, that was Armageddon time. Let's move into what else we've been watching. Um, you know, I don't have a ton, but you can go first. I know there's some uh, some newer movies that you've caught up with. Well, we haven't talked in a while on this on the main show, so I could talk about a lot of things, but I will probably only talk about a few. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do I talk about Terrifier one and two? I. Didn't you talk or no, you didn't. We talked about it off air. Talked very briefly about Terrifier 2 with Paris on on, Digest. Digest, yeah. To get her to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to hear some more uh, thoughts. I'll do a little. So yeah, the first Terrifier, I actually really liked it. I don't know if it's just because I had super low expectations, but um, I thought the look of it really worked and I know it's it was like a lower budget so maybe I'm being a bit easier on it than I would uh, a movie with a bigger budget but I don't know I I like the lighting and like the the gore and the effects and just kind of how like simple and contained it was when you told me you liked the look of it I was like kind of blown away because I, I think it looks like absolute trash 
That was like, if I had to point to one thing that I actively dislike about Terrifier One, it's it's exactly that the lighting and well, kind of the way. There's it a looks. couple like maybe bad like editing choices or, but um, I don't know. If beyond that, I I liked it. I, it's going it? for a <laughs> specific aesthetic, but I think it really worked. Like the old like grindhouse kind of feel, a little I grainy. I more so just got the impression that that was more just like budget. I don't know. Like with the first one specifically, like it, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh on it, but I was like very off put by the way it looks. It didn't feel intentional to me. It felt cheap. Hmm. Well, sometimes cheap can still work. Oh yeah. Oh, it can. Uh, I, yeah, I don't have much to say about, it, but I did just think it was a lot of fun and yeah, just better than you like the, maybe would have thought going in. Yeah, honestly, I didn't really have much interest in watching it, but then once I was hearing some of the buzz and your reaction to Terrifier Two, it just felt like something I had to do. <laughs> now Terrifier Two is a step up in pretty much every facet from mm-hmm. the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a little long, and I think my one complaint is I think the ending could have been a little more, like a little more fantastical, or just like a little more know, a little, fantastical, <laughs> just uh, more epic. I don't know because they they were, I mean, this movie is swinging for the fences mm-hmm. in terms of its uh, fantastical nature, and then also just like the the kills and the runtime and all that. But mm-hmm. um yeah, I don't know. I just think it could have went a little more in that direction. Cause I mean, yeah, it definitely went there, but I think it could have went even further and would have been even better. I get what you, I get what you're saying. Like a bigger climax, like a more satisfying conclusion. Like I liked the idea of it, but I think they could have really amped it up and made it something special. Yeah, maybe a little lacking in execution compared to like the execution in other yeah. scenes in the movie cuz it definitely is going for something like fantastical and and out there but mm-hmm. also a little underwhelming like especially visually like Yeah. I think that's my problem was visually. Like I wanted some like phantasmagoric like overload of the senses kind of thing and it didn't really happen (laughs) it was kind of a weird kind of a weird scene yeah it was (laughs) (laughs) i like that it went for something i like the idea of it yeah Mm -hmm. uh yeah i mean it was a little long could have maybe cut out a kill or two but it didn't oh, really no, bother me. You can't me. cut that. I can't believe you just said that. You can't <laughs> cut kills, dog. <laughs> cut some of the fucking mom stuff or I don't know. Like Yeah, the mom stuff wasn't great, but the movie is a total vibe and uh Yeah. I was into it. The scene in the bedroom with the her friend. Oh my god. That was insanity. I feel if Chelsea saw that scene and knew I enjoyed it, she might divorce me. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think she would even be able to watch it? Or would she have to like close her eyes or look away? Or would she faint? Like, because it is crazy. (laughs) 
I think she would just close her eyes. But if she, if we did like a clockwork orange thing, she might faint or, or <laughs> die. <puke. laughs> just go in cardiac arrest. Uh, yeah, that scene was insane. Like it was so over the top that like I couldn't not just laugh and enjoy it in some sick, twisted way. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's how you're supposed, like, this kind of movie, like, it's for a very specific audience, but if you're into that kind of thing, like, which I very much am, like, I ate it up. Like, I don't know, how was the crowd reaction? Like, were you in, like, an empty theater? Did you see it with Uh, other people? There was maybe a dozen, max. Okay. Crowd was okay. Nothing really special. I probably would have the same experience if I was sitting alone. Yeah, that's a bummer. I mean, I didn't see it with a ton of people. There were like maybe 20 people in my screening, but it was like people were losing it. It was uh, (laughs) audible reactions to some of the stuff in the movie. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I just I love Art the Clown. I think he's a lot of fun. And even though he doesn't have any dialogue, he has a great like screen presence. And um, I really liked the the music and the score as well. Mm -hmm. Just that like kind of 80s synth vibe. And then uh, loved the Leeds Halloween costume that she works on throughout the movie. The reveal on that thing? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not sure how old she is, but I'm just going to say love the costume. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was fire. Yeah, I I knew that I was going to try to get you to watch it, but the moment I was like, oh, man, Travis needs to see this thing was the, the opening credits. With like the neon and the eight, like the synth score, and she's like making the her costume or whatever. I was like, oh man, Travis is gonna love this Huge. thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, awesome movie, uh, especially for like a like a new Halloween. I'll, I'll say classic, instant classic. Oh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> people are loving Terrifier and Art. The Clown. Uh, can't wait for Terrifier three. Oh, it's got to be coming, right? Oh yeah. It's going to be huge whenever it does. It's going to be four hours long. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like his version of uh, Once Upon a Time in America or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's 30 kills. <laughs> <laughs> it's not over until Art the Clown has killed every human being on Earth. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to top some of the scenes in Terrifier 2, though. There's two at least standouts that are just insanity. Like, it's going to be hard to top. I mean, if you think about like, I don't, do you know how much it costs to make this movie? Not that much, mm. like $500,000 or something like that. For the second one? Uh-huh. Wow. That's pretty impressive. It may, It's made like 10 mil or 15 million or something at the box office. So, I mean, if you, if you quadruple the budget, that's only $2 million. Like imagine what this guy can do with like a whole team. Working on like aesthetic, like not aesthetics, uh, prosthetics and like gore effects. Oh man, oh man, <laughs> oh, man. it's gonna be huge. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Big fan of Terrifier two. Fuck yeah, big fan. Um, dude, I'm looking at my list and I don't, I do not have much. Mostly horror movies that I watched. Uh, when it was the season, but mm-hmm. nothing I really want to talk about. Um, you got Did something you watch, else in the uh, chamber? 
Did you? Wa- I'll stick to newer stuff. Did you watch uh, Don't Worry Darling yet? No, I did see it's on HBO Max. Uh, uh, Haley wants to watch it, so we'll probably watch it together when she gets back. I was not the biggest fan of it. It's pretty mid, I would say. Uh, like some of the performances, like Florence Pugh's good, Chris Pine's good. Harry Styles, of course. Uh He's not terrible, but also not great. <laughs> I've I've heard mostly terrible things about a lot of people making fun of him online. <laughs> I think the movie looks really good, although I think some of the imagery is a little, I don't know, generic or just uninspired. Some, some yeah, something we've seen before, um, but it thinks it's being like cool and new and edgy, but it's it's really not. <laughs> uh, and then. Yeah, the whole like mystery of it, I feel like you can figure out pretty quickly. Um, I think if you watch this movie under a certain lens, but if I say what it is, it would probably be a spoiler, so I won't. Uh, I think you could like it a bit more, but um, I think it's just a little too ambitious and just doesn't fully land what it's going for. Mm-hmm. I think too, too big of a swing here for Olivia Wilde. I think she should have worked her way up to something like this and maybe, you know, get a couple more films under her belt before going for something like this. Just because, yeah, I don't think the the ideas and writing of it all came together in like a satisfying way. I don't, yeah, maybe it was just me, but bad, bad day or bad time, but um, I was a little bored and I feel like I shouldn't have been. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like with all of the like backlash and just kind of like discourse around this movie, like what I've been able to parse out of it is that it's just like, I don't know, when you actually watch the movie, it's just kind of, you know, the discourse is a lot more interesting and bombastic than the movie itself. Like, uh, I think you use the word mid, like that's my impression mm-hmm. of it before having even seen it. It was just like, eh. But, you know, seeing the trailer and everything, you would think this is not a mid movie. Or at least has it's potential not, to not be yeah, a mid movie. It's it does look to cool. be something, I think, like special, but. It doesn't get there. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I'll catch up with it eventually. And I'll, it's I'll it's definitely that. worth watching, but yeah, a little disappointing because I really liked Booksmart and was pretty intrigued from the trailer, but yeah, kind of kind of disappointing. Damn. Uh, I also saw Triangle of Sadness a couple weeks back. Ooh, I didn't realize that. Um, well, it's been almost a month now since I've seen it, but um. Yeah, really liked it. Like the uh, ideas at play with like uh, class and everything. Um, thought it was pretty funny as well. Um, like it a bit more than uh, what, Force Majeure. Still mm-hmm. have not seen the square. Yeah, me either. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have too much to say about it, but I did like it quite a bit. Nice. That's one I want to catch up with. Don't know if it'll make top 10, but um, it's like fringe right now. Nice. Well, speaking of uh, class and privilege, have you um, started watching White Lotus season two yet? I have not. You should. It's pretty good. I'm current on it now. There's There's been like three episodes. Pretty sure three. Yeah, three episodes so far. 
it's so good. it's new cast for the most part right uh the cast is all new except uh jennifer coolidge stifler's mom stifler's mom and uh the guy that she met in the first season of white lotus mm-hmm. season into and it's a new like resort and all that too yes this is in sicily oh mm-hmm. exciting italy it's, it's yeah <laughs> you can relate to it <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I'm enjoying. It. I like Mike White a lot. I think and he's Aubrey really Plaza's in this one, right? Yes, she's one of the main the, one of the main cast. Dope. Mm-hmm. But we lost our girl Sydney Sweeney. We did lose Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> I will say overall, I like. I, I'm enjoying it. I think it's doing some interesting stuff, but I so far do prefer the first season, especially from a cast perspective. I've mm. just found the characters more, um, I don't know, interesting. I did really like the lead host of the resort. Yes, whatever he Armand. Was. Yeah. Yeah, in the season one. This this season's going for a similar thing in that one of the most interesting characters is the like hotel manager. Um, going for a very different vibe, though, than Armand. Mm. Yeah, I'll need to catch up with that. I don't think Chelsea watched season one. I watched it on my own. So we either need to get her caught up or do another solo endeavor. Mm-hmm. Does she express any interest or do you think she'd uh, be interested? Probably, but you know how TV shows and watching shit goes. It's just <laughs> an endless ocean of content. Yep. <laughs> uh, me? Me again? Yeah, I, I've decided there's only one there's only one movie I'm going to bother talking about. So. All right. So probably the best thing I've watched since we last talked was I took a dive into Lars von Trier's Breaking the Waves. Ooh, okay. Been on my list for a while. Was uh, not feeling well last weekend and had nothing else better to do than sit on the couch. So... I thought I will watch something long that I've been meaning to watch for a long time and stumbled upon Breaking the Waves on HBO Max. And it was a banger. Uh, I think you would like this movie a lot. It uh, feels somewhat reminiscent of Saint Maud because uh, Emily Watson's character, she comes from like a small, like very religious conservative town and she has like a strong relationship with God and like, you know, talks to God through like herself and thinks like she has like a greater purpose and like she needs to do certain things to like serve God and her husband. Uh, Some pretty, yeah, like pretty fascinating ideas. Do you know the basic gist of the movie? Like the... Yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar. uh, Selen Skarsgård they, him and Emily Watson get married early on. He has an accident at work and then becomes paralyzed. And then uh, he wants her to like have extra, extramarital relationships and then talk to him about them to kind of like keep their love alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, that's pretty interesting. And then you add on the fact that she comes from like a, religious background and so 
there's like some conflict there with her town and family and church. And then, you know, also dealing with like an outsider of Stellan Skarsgård and his gang. Cause you know, they kind of have a different outlook on life. So it's just seeing those two clashes pretty cool. Uh, and also I, the ending of this is pretty great. The, the like the final shot moment banger damn you sold me i'll watch it while haley has gone <clears throat> i don't think i could ever get her to sit down and watch a two hour <laughs> and 45 minute uh religious you know fuck fest movie so yeah i mean it's not as bad as you would think it is um as far as like is... graphic content wise yeah and I don't think it'll like piss you off like some other of his movies. Um, <laughs> it's not as like offensive or like it's Bad. not trying to be as like uh, what's the word uh, edgy that, that he is. He's provocateur. It's not as like provocative as yeah. I don't think he's really trying to piss off the audience with this one, <laughs> unless maybe you're like super religious. I don't know. Right. I, I think it. It, it it kind of plays with both outlooks um, on religion, though, which is what I appreciated. I think Sounds you could right kind of read it both ways. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you would like this a lot. Hell, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll even pop on the Criterion while the, the sale is going. Uh-huh. And, and I think this was one of his first, well, maybe not his first, but it, it's part of the whole dogma thing that he was doing. Um. Yeah, it, it's like I, the main I, one from that era, I think. The way it's uh, constructed, I think, is pretty experimental. Like, it feels like a documentary at times, like the way it's shot and just the way it looks. And she even, like, breaks the fourth wall at one moment. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it's playing with the medium in an interesting way. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. But yeah, that one definitely delivered. I was stoked. Love when you watch a movie that you've been meaning to watch for a long time because you know it's supposed to be a banger and, and it, it actually is, is indeed a banger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see. Beyond that, um, real quick, uh, I watched Athena on Netflix. What the uh, fuck is a, that? The new film by Romain Gavras. He was like a pretty popular, I think, music video director. Uh, he's done like some Kanye West stuff. I think his big break was one of MIA's videos. Uh, he's done some other movies though, like with, he did, they're pretty small. Our Day Will Come with Vincent Cassell. And then he has another movie on Netflix called The World Is Yours. But Athena, the main reason why I watched it was because it's technically a 2022 release. So, you know, trying to get those in for potential end of year yep. yep. Uh, this one probably will not be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I did like it. It's uh, essentially like there's there's like conflict slash protest in this town. Um, essentially this kid gets killed by the police and then there's a protest as a result but um yeah most of the movie is just kind of like that protest and it's pretty 
action-packed and cinematic. Like I did love some of the the shots and sequences in it, um, just because it looks like pretty visually stunning. Um, but I wasn't that into the actual narrative of it. I mean, it was fine, but it just I don't know, it wasn't that strong. I think the strongest part about it is the visual style. And maybe if I was more in tune to politics or where it takes place, I forget where it even takes place. Maybe sounds like Paris. Yeah, that sounds right. So somewhere around there. <laughs> if I was more interested in that or more <laughs> in tune, then maybe it would have hit harder. But I do think it's worth watching just for the the visuals alone. Okay, interesting. So it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And right. it's. Uh, 97 minutes, so not too long. It is on the list. Right now, My I just started my Cram Jam list, so I don't have much on it. This is the fifth movie that I've got on my list right now. Uh, have you seen um, We're All Going to the World's Fair? We're planning on watching it. I am intrigued. Yes, me as well. I'm definitely going to make time for that. Oh, you know what we said we were going to do like a long time ago and we still haven't done it. We were going to watch um The Skin I Live In, remember? Hmm. Have you done it yet? Well, you bought it, right? Yes, but I've seen it a couple times. I think I just bought it you for have? you guys to watch or for you to watch. Oh, I thought it was for I mean, us to watch. I mean, I'll watch it again. Because <laughs> <laughs> that Paris was saying, like, you guys have to watch it. I had forgotten that you had already seen it before. I thought it was just, like, one time back when it came out. You've seen it several times? I've seen it twice. I saw it once a long time ago when I downloaded it. And then I watched it, let's see, July 9th, 2017. Oh, according okay. to Letterboxd. Hmm. Well, anyway, I, I had forgotten about it until the other day. It popped up in my head, so I might make time for that as well while Haley's gone. Hey, maybe I will pick that as one of my next uh, double features. Or did Paris recently Paris watch just it? watched it, yeah. Dang, because it does have the horror tag on it, so... <laughs> Eligible. It does technically count. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, can I go? Yep. All right. Uh, I'm only gonna talk about one movie. I'll briefly talk about uh, some TV stuff, but uh, didn't watch a ton of great stuff this Halloween. It was a lot of um, bad to mid movies. Um, so, like, I'll I'll say some titles real quick um, that I think are worth watching, but I don't really have much to say about them. Uh, I watched Popcorn, which was on Shutter. That movie was kind of fun. Um, a little underwhelming, though. I watched uh, Night of the Demons, which was, should have been better than it was. I f was kind of bored by the end of it, but it's basically like a satanic Halloween party where these like demons lock them in a, an old crematorium and like, basically like hunt them down. Not as fun as it sounds. It was not bad. There's some cool effects, but... Isn't that... I think that's like a cult classic. Some people really like it. It is. Yeah. It's a cult classic, but it, it, it's worth the watch, but it's not a personal favorite of mine by any means. It's I would say that like 
chopping mom, all right? Uh, I was literally, you took the words right out of my mouth. I feel very similarly about chopping mom. <laughs> I thought chopping mom was going to be more fun than it was. Um, I mean, it, it is fun, but I mean... Hey, there's nothing more fun than a 77-minute runtime. <laughs> yes, that is true. That's huge. But I don't know. It was just like, for a 77-minute movie, it like, does feel like it goes on for a while. Like, <laughs> I didn't find it that interesting, or the kills were nothing to write home about. There was some decent stuff with the robot. Like, I'm pretty sure a robot slit someone's throat in that movie which is pretty cool or like stab someone in the throat which was neat yeah underwhelmed by that one too though that's another like cult classic i've been meaning to watch forever i uh i watched it last month as well and i was pleasantly surprised by it i thought it was gonna be like absolute shit and it is i mean i don't think it's a great movie but um I, i don't know i had fun with it and thought like the the corniness and cheesiness actually like played in its favor Oh, it does, but I think I was coming at it from a different angle. I was expecting it to be, because it is a cult classic. Like Some people really like that movie, and it's the kind of movie that oftentimes works really well for me, and this one just, I don't know, didn't do much for me. Um, and then I watched The Black Coat's Daughter, which I actually liked quite a bit. It's definitely a slow burn. Um, but I thought it was quite creepy and I love the performances, especially, uh, uh, Kiernan Shipka. She's Sabrina, the teenage witch in the Netflix reboot. She's like one of the main characters. Um, I thought it was really good. Love the slow burn. Love the payoff. It's very moody. Uh, looked great. Oh, Emma Roberts is in that. Yeah. Interesting. As is, um, directed by your boy, Oz Perkins. My boy. Oh, right, because he did uh, Gretel, Gretel and, and Hansel. Hansel. Fuck and yeah, dude. I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house. Don't you like that movie? Um, not That, that movie was okay. Maybe I'm Actually, thinking of something else. I'm seeing now I gave that movie two stars, so apparently not uh, <laughs> not okay. I'm thinking of the guy who did the Grudge remake in Piercing, that one movie with uh, Christopher Abbott. Oh, yes. Nicholas Pesci? Pesci. Pesci. The Eyes of My Mother. You love that movie. Yes, that movie rules. Um, But yeah, I like The Black Coat's Daughter. I thought it was pretty sweet. Uh, Not much to say, though. Uh, The one movie that I did want to say a couple things about is The Beyond. Uh, That was my first uh, Lucio Fulci film. Mm. Um, It's pretty entertaining. I love the way it looks. And it's very... uh, wet is how i would describe it like it's a gore (laughs) movie but it's like it's like i don't know how to describe it like it's very like lots of blood but it's like wet blood it's like gooey and like i don't know it's like the the movie just like it seems like the walls are just kind of wet and everything is just like icky I, i gotta ask is it horny at all um no not really bummer not not super horny that that pairs well with wet yes <laughs> lacking in that kind of wet unfortunately <laughs> but um it, it's a goofy fucking movie i mean it's basically about a, a hotel in louisiana that's like one of the seven like gateways to to hell essentially and there's like a 
they interact. They basically open the gates of hell and have to deal with like trying to close it and the demons and stuff. So mm. it's kind of plot heavy, which I wasn't expecting. So I was not interested in like. But is it a plot you really need to like follow? No, 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 no. no. Okay. <laughs> I it, uh, to be frank, I did not follow it. <laughs> I got lost pretty quickly. I was like, "What? Why are they doing this? What's happening? Why is this chick's eyes milky and she's talking to a dog?" And I don't know. I it's, haven't seen any Fulci movies, but I have a feeling you're supposed to kind of vibe with them like Argento movies. Yes, very, very heavy on the vibes. Um, I'm excited to watch more. On a first impression, you know, I don't like. I've liked the giallo films i've seen granted i haven't seen a ton but like you know i've seen like three or four argentos at this point i've seen fulci and i don't know if it maybe it's just not my not my genre because the people who are into giallo fucking love giallo you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i i'm it's it's got to be an acquired taste maybe it'll come to you at some point <laughs> maybe Maybe I'm going to force feed it for sure because I yeah. feel like I should be a giallo guy. And right now I'm just, you know, I'm mildly interested in the genre. But yeah, other than for Suspiria, me, nothing's really kind of, done it for me. They're kind of hit or miss. Like I've I've liked a few I've seen quite a bit and then others have done like very little for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a genre that I'm still uh, slowly kind of exploring, but. The Beyond was cool. I want to see more. I definitely... I had wanted to do a Digest double feature with uh, Zombie. And uh, I can't remember what I was going to pair it with, but... Um, Maybe I'll steal yours. Because <laughs> well, I, I haven't seen any full she so this would be good for me. It wasn't... I, I don't remember why I didn't do it. I think it's because I was going to do... Oh, yeah. Because of Zombie... It's Zombie 2 is the one that he did, which is like a pseudo sequel to some other movie. I don't know, but I can't remember what I was going to pair it with, but it like wasn't streaming anymore. So I decided against it, mm. but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see more. He's got a movie called, uh, the New York Ripper that I'm interested in checking yeah, out. That one looks intriguing. <laughs> Maybe we'll do zombie and, uh, the New York Ripper next. Yeah. You do love those director double features, don't you? Oh yeah. <laughs> nice and easy. Hey, at least both these will be streaming. Yeah, as long as they're both streaming, <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> um, and then real quick, um, I am all in on uh the Mike Flanagan verse. Oh god. Oh yeah, dude. So I don't know if I ever <laughs> talked about it on the show. Did I ever talk about Midnight Mass? Uh doesn't sound familiar. Legitimately one of my favorite television shows I think I've ever seen. Um, you might have, and I checked out. <laughs> <laughs> you heard Mike Flanagan, and you went to sleep. Um, but seriously, I think his his television work is, like, top-notch. Like, Midnight Mass, I thought was fucking amazing. It's scary. It's very moving. It's intense. I would highly recommend Midnight Mass. But his new show is uh, The Midnight Club, which is like based on like a 90s book of it's like it's not children's books. It's like young adult horror books, apparently, um, about this group of like terminally ill kids who live in this home and they like sneak out of their rooms at night and they meet in the library and they tell like scary stories to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was really good. Uh, it's not as good as like Haunting a Hill House or or Midnight Mass, um, but definitely very good writing. Mike Flanagan loves a good monologue, so there's some of those. Um, some good scares, um, some good mystery and suspense. The only thing that I didn't love about this new show is that, as I just described, they meet and tell stories. Some of the stories that they tell, I did not find super interesting. And obviously they don't like push the story forward. So I was like invested in the story, like the plot but when they tell these stories, it's about, you know, the story. It's not just us listening. Like, it's all, it's all like, portrayed on screen, you know? So mm-hmm. some of the stories that are told, like, while they are meant to do, like, character work, essentially, some of them are not as interesting as others. So I did check out in a few instances when the stories that they were telling I didn't find very interesting. But overall, I recommend the show. I think that format, like, the long-form, like, character driven horror stuff is definitely his wheelhouse his his films have been kind of a mixed bag for me but his tv work has been pretty spot on uh i'm not a big fan of mike flanagan i have not checked out any of his shows but um didn't really like gerald's game or dr sleep that much i did like hush though but maybe it's because i knew you guys didn't like it so i was coming in with lower expectations I remember you and Tom having issues with Hush back in the day. Yes, I do not. I think Hush is one of his worst movies. But yeah, I, I, mean, just, I don't love I, his movies. Like I, I thought Doctor like Sleep was boring. Maybe it's his aesthetic. I just I don't know. It doesn't really work for me. It's a little too glossy for for my liking. Interesting. I for what it's worth, I think you would be into Midnight Mass more so than his other, more so than the Hill House stuff. Okay. Midnight Masters a religious element. Um pretty big religious element to Midnight Mass. That is one I would recommend to you. I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but <laughs> we will see. All right, fair enough. I did watch one uh episode of the the new G Delta show, Cabinet yeah. of Curiosities. Can you guess which one I watched? Uh, of course, the fucking Panos uh, <laughs> Cosmatos one, right? That's the Isn't one. Isn't Eric Andre in that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is he honestly, playing it straight or is he like... Uh, I mean, I would say it's a, a bit mixed. I mean, it, you you definitely feel a little bit of Eric Andre in there, but I would say it's mostly straight. Okay. I didn't really care for it too much. It was kind of boring and felt more like uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow than it did Mandy. And as a result, I just didn't really care for it because the, the, the basic plot of it is like these people go to this like rich dude's house and then I don't want to spoil it, but you're kind of waiting for something to happen or the thing to happen. And then once the thing happens, there might be like a cool element of like gore or like effects, but then it kind of ends shortly after that. So I just, I don't know. I didn't really get much out of it. Um, I did read, though, that Panos is making a new movie that sounds very much in line with Mandy, and I am very excited for it. What is it? I forget the name of it, but it's like Necrosis or something like that. Hmm. Uh, 
Let's see. But yeah, hopefully this guy is not just a one-hit wonder. Because I love Mandy. Necrocosm is the name of the movie. Necrocosm. And the, the plot the on IMDb says, A phantasmagorical fantasy nightmare set deep within a strange galaxy where two lovers are torn apart as they try to survive a malevolent invasion. It literally sounds exactly like Mandy. Yeah, it sounds like a like a maybe more sci-fi leaning version. Mandy yeah. in space. Space Mandy. Mandy with a bigger budget. <laughs> Panos is Star Wars. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I love the title. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. Is, is it in production yet or uh I'm not sure. I I know he takes a while to do his stuff. Hey, speaking of a fucking production. Speaking of weird Greek people, what's uh what's going on with your boy Yorgoat? Is he making a movie or we still don't know what's next for him? I think he's sitting on one and also making another. Oh, so there's one in the chamber that like do we have a title? Do we have a release date? Do we I feel I like thought it's one been... was Bleat. Oh, that's a short film. Poor things. I thought that was the the one that was supposed to come out next. A Victorian tale of a love. Ah, uh, more Victorian shit. Come on, that was great. No, favorite is <laughs> worst movie. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, he doesn't make bad movies though. So, well, uh, I, to be fair, I haven't seen Alps, so I guess I can't say definitively if it's his worst. I have movie. not seen that one either, and but that one is like consensus generally considered his worst yeah yeah i think poor things comes out first and that's that victorian one and then there's a movie called and that's in production and has some uh cast members linked to it emma stone margaret qualley jesse plemons willem dafoe gonna I'm be in. huge say no more yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the Safties, they got a new movie in the works with uh, Adam Sandler about uh, like sports cards. That should be fun. Yeah, interesting. I know you're hyped for that. Yeah, those are the next three movies I'm excited for. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else sucks. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, do you have anything else before we get out of here? Uh, I think I'm good. Cool, do cool. we know what we're doing next? We got to get a couple more in before we do our year-end list. Yes. Episode. Well, so I, I mean, I haven't, I've been kind of out of, uh, out of so touch. I, I don't really know like, what the oh, fuck is coming. That piece of shit's coming out this weekend. <laughs> I might go see it. Like, what are, what's even on the horizon? Babylon. Right, Babylon. Damien. Damien Chazelle. Oh yeah, initial reaction to that has been pretty negative. Nice, like in a blonde sort of way, or just like in a no kind of way. Just in like a it's bad kind of way. Mm. Uh, what about the menu? I think the menu's out now. The menu looks like it could be good. Oh, dude, bones and all. Oh yeah, that's it. Hype for that one. The whale should come out, right? Oh fuck. I don't know when, but yeah. I'm excited for the Fablemans. Yes, me too. I think that's like a, that's probably a Christmas movie. Oh, I imagine. one thing I wanted to say about 
during Armageddon time is I'm kind of already over this trend of every director doing some sort of like, you know, movie from their or movie about their childhood or where they grew up. And then now they're also like injecting film into them as well. I mean, I say all this being excited for the Fablemans, but like Empire of Light, the new Sam Mendes movie, come on. <laughs> I've never no, even heard of that. No one cares, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll probably watch that too, but I don't know. It just seems like every acclaimed director is doing their like little passion project. W- w- who started it? Roma? Was that the beginning of this? Yeah, of the recent trend. Yeah, yeah. probably Roma. Um. Oh, fucking, uh, we got to do uh, a Christmas story Christmas on HBO Max. I'm not excited for that. I used to <laughs> think a Christmas story was great. It's, it's still, it's yeah, it's fine for a Christmas It's got movie, good scenes. That's all it is, is literally scenes. Yep. <laughs> There's like... <laughs> That's it's why just a bunch of vignettes with a narration. Exactly. That's why they play it for fucking 24 hours straight every Christmas. Cause it's a movie you can just put on in between like, you know, presents and, and dinner mm-hmm. or whatever. And just watch like 20 minutes of a Christmas story and then check out and, you know, walk away yeah. from the TV. <laughs> the last time I watched it though, I just had like a revelation I was like, this really isn't that great. When you watch it start to finish no. It's not good. But if you're just like walking around the house, like, you know, cooking, doing whatever. Which is how most people watch it. Yep. And then, oh, it's the, it's the, it's the BB gun scene or, oh, it's the slide scene, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah. Spot on. My dad does love doing the, you know, when they go to the Chinese restaurant and they sing, uh, uh, tis the season to be jolly. He loves, he sings it like they do, of course. So every year I get to cringe hearing my dad sing that. I mean, it it is a classic and is iconic, but yeah, I just don't think it is as great as people like hold it up as. Well, now you get to see the Lega sequel, thirty years in the making. It's gonna Can't be huge. Wait. It's got a seventy three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, tis the season to be jolly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, how about the new uh, Ryan Reynolds Will Ferrell Christmas movie on Apple? Or is it, a, is it a series or no? It's it's a movie. movie. I've okay. seen like two commercials for it playing during like football or whatever. Uh, I don't know. It's probably gonna be bad. Yeah, I might watch it if Chelsea ties me down. When was the last time Will Ferrell made a good movie? <laughs> that is a good question. I'd have to look at. His I honestly movie. don't know. <laughs> the last time he made a good movie, fucking Step Brothers. Can't be that oh. long, right? Yeah, that was 2008. Woof. Other guys? Are you an other guys guy? Um, I've only seen it once. Did not like it very much, but you did give me your copy of it. So nice. I, I've been dying for a rewatch of it. I am not an other guys guy. I think that's why I gave it to you. <laughs> um, Let's see. Get Hard, Daddy's Home, Zoolander 2, The House... Dude, these are all movies I haven't seen that Chelsea's dad will bring up. Like, what? You haven't seen those? Dude, like, dads no. love <laughs> Will Ferrell. No, I have not. You haven't seen uh, Holmes and Watson? What the fuck? 
That movie should have been good. Downhill was decent, the Force Majeure remake. It wasn't great, but it was decent. Yeah. I, not really a Will Ferrell movie in the traditional sense. I did actually I think Daddy's Home was also decent, but Daddy's Home 2 was trash. Oh, you know what? The house is actually underrated. Pretty funny. There's a couple good moments. I think that's the the two really funny moments is what uh, garnered four stars for it on Letterboxd. You gave that piece of shit four stars. <laughs> oh yeah, Jesus. <laughs> no, there's well, I I remember there being like two really funny moments, and so I had to uh, be a hero and inflate my rating. I feel like I've seen this movie, but I haven't logged it. I wonder if I actually haven't. Isn't Jason Manzukis in that movie? Yeah, that sounds right. So is uh, what's his face? Oh, Nick Kroll. Uh, Hawkeye. Nick Kroll's in it Isn't too. Hawkeye in that? Hawkeye. Let's see. What's that fucking Jeremy, Jeremy uh, Renner? Renner? Or am I getting that mixed up? No, with he a is. He's in it. Okay. <laughs> hey, Alexander Daddario is in this movie too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. Anyway, <laughs> right there. <laughs> Whoa, Alexandra! Did, I just clicked on her on Letterbox. She's in the Squid and the Whale. Show me. <laughs> Isn't she Jesse Eisenberg's sister? I remember. Aunt, is it Anna Paquin? I remember her being in that movie, but no, oh, I don't. Daddario. Dude, that's one of the first Criterion's I bought, and I have yet to fucking rewatch it. It's been sitting on my shelf for six or seven years at this point, probably. Embarrassing. Jesus. That movie is a banger, though. I do love it. Alexandra Daddario is credited as Pretty Girl in that movie. <laughs> 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 Hell yeah. That's her career, but unfortunately. Those are half of her. Yeah, yeah her half, half her credits. Her <laughs> <laughs> Pretty Girl. Oh man, her legendary appearance in True Detective season one. <laughs> oh, absolutely man. That, huge. That put her on the map. Oh yeah. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Are we done? Shut her down. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back with uh, bones and all, and you know whatever else uh, we decide to cram in here. Try to get a couple more episodes in before we do our best of 2022 episode in January. Cram Jam is real. Can't wait. Uh, follow us on our you know, socials, like the feed. You know the drill. Thank you, everybody, for listening. That's going to do it. We'll see you next time. If you've ever put a spell on